When the choice seems to be to tear down the church or build a wall around it, we aim to walk the narrow road of nuance through the wilderness between the warring factions and try to figure out what it means to love God and people well. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Unbetween. So this conversation is based on yet another conversation that I had with somebody else, as so many of our conversations are. And it was really impactful for me and really challenging and really helped me to kind of make sense of some stuff that was going on in my life in a really positive kind of uh, iron sharpening iron kind of way. And hopefully it'll be helpful to all of you. And we we take a well-known phrase that's been well used and in some cases overused in some circles, and we try and get at the meaning that's under the hood, if that makes sense. Well, hopefully it'll make sense in the next little bit. Here we go. So I had a conversation this past week with somebody, and it was a, it was a good and positive conversation. And this was specifically about work, and I, no need to get into the details of it, but um, he... We were talking about a situation in which I was uncomfortable with some with the dynamic that was happening. And at one point in in his encouragement of me, he's like, Man, you gotta level up. And I was like, Huh. And that phrase really stuck with me. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about the last conversation that you and I had, which was about comfort and convenience and, you know, building character and reorienting to Christ like rhythm and talking about how we spend our time and what we actually find important and what do we do when things get bumpy and all this kind of stuff. And in after I had this conversation in the, the days, the few days afterwards, this phrase keeps coming back to me and I keep pondering on it. Like, what does it mean to, to level up, really? <laughs> if I can use video games as an analogy, because let's be honest, we've all played them. <laughs> yep. Sometimes still do. My, my, my kid and I like to, like to play a few together. But anyway... Uh, a lot of times you'll have this impossible task. So uh, I'll I'll date myself right quick. A <laughs> game that my daughter and I like to play is Legend of Zelda, the Ocarina of Time. I'm certain I didn't yeah. pronounce that right. But <laughs> this game, I got it it's years ago. Yes, that's right. I, I got it years and years and years ago. And she recently discovered it and, want, and got it out and wanted to play it. Mm-hmm. And now she really likes it because it's adventure and fantasy and all that. But one of the hallmarks of this game is sometimes quite difficult puzzles mm-hmm. in that you sometimes really have to pay attention to, okay, have I been in this area before? Do I have that item? All this kind of stuff. And that there are a few spots in the game in particular where it's a really specific, complicated, multi-step process to get where you're trying to go. And you can yeah. go in circles if you forget that one tiny little thing that you need to to unlock that door. And in the same way, in a, in a video game, sometimes it's the training that you have to do, which is really hard and monotonous and long, that actually one day finally produces the, the quote, level up or opens right. that door that you need to get through or whatever. That may seem like a silly analogy, but certainly I was thinking in terms of uh, Christians and the way we respond when things are not comfortable in that often we think that that's a problem or that we, you know, wail and keen, as the Irish call it, and that uh, a lot of our conversation last time was about reorienting ourselves to when things are hard or when things are difficult or not what we expected or not what the world or even the church tells us that we're supposed to be orienting towards. But I, I've, I've really been pondering that the last few days of what it means to to level up, as it were. And specifically kind of in the conversation this guy and I were having, 
It was about, man, you've got to really understand what your role is. You have to understand what you're being called to and how it's different than what you're used to doing and what you've been doing. You mm-hmm. have to know that and see it and allow yourself to exist in the tension in the short run that will produce the change in the long run and that how difficult that is yeah. <laughs> and how I don't, I don't know that um, we in the um, Western or American church r- know how to do that very well. So it was, it was really profound and I've been kind of letting it percolate the last, the last few days. And it, it's really, it's been a really good thing for me. And we talk about sacred rhythm a lot, or at least we have been, and that the the act of waiting while God does what he needs to do is, right. is really hard and seems really foreign to us a lot of the time. So anyway, the, these are just things I'm thinking about and experiencing, and I wanted to see how that lands on yeah. you. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So I, I think I think the first place I've got to start, and this may be the most important part of it, um, it's Ocarina. Uh, is Thank the correct? I, I actually don't know that. <laughs> that's just my southern. That's what I've always heard it, and I could be completely wrong. I likely am as well. Um, but no, I, so I have too heard that phrase probably three times this week and about four last week. Hmm. And so it's really funny because we had not talked about it. And my instant go to when I hear that phrase is that I don't like it. Okay. Um. And, and I'll tell you why. You know, I won't leave it there. The end of the episode. No. So the reason I don't is because of how it's typically used Hmm. in the circles I hear it. It is not a connotation of how to use this in your spiritual walk. It's more of a connotation of, you know, get yours and get ahead and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a fine line there. And I think about even conversations we've had about connotation or redeeming analogies, you know, taking something that exists in one sphere or arena and using it in a biblical manner, because how you described it and kind of getting through the difficulty and your Zelda analogy, like <laughs> that makes me look at it a little differently where I'm like, yeah, okay, no, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah. not, not that it matters if I'm okay with it or not anyway, but, You're but that is right something, <laughs> That is something I can have a conversation around and get behind because it's not about me, you know, my personal success. It's mm-hmm. about navigating through what God has given us for his glory, for his success, for his thing. And I don't know, you know, th- this actually this past Sunday, um, I had a similar kind of irk moment and then looking at things differently. But but there was a uh, a conversation or our pastor spoke on stewardship. And th- this is like the first time it's been topical in a long time. Um, it, it's always, you know, context we're going through books of the Bible, that sort of thing. But he did kind of more of a topical thing talking through stewardship. And in every sermon I have heard about stewardship has always been about the financial giving that mm-hmm. you do. This was much more around everything, which we've talked about even kind of separating secular and and spiritual and how there's really no such thing. Like we yep. are given everything we're given to use in a spiritual way. I say spiritual to use for, for the kingdom. And, and so it was interesting looking at it that way, but he, he made the comment, you know, part of that is even being a hard worker. I'm doing what you do well. And, and not because you're trying to get ahead and make a name for yourself necessarily, because we've seen through scripture, the people who are cared about their own name, you know, typically their names get forgotten as yeah. he's, you know, it's preached through in Judges and, and Ruth and different things. But 
Um, but then he goes through and starts talking about kind of this this ideal team player. And Patrick, I'm, I'm going to say this last name wrong, Lencioni, I think, is, is a guy who wrote a book that he, he kind of referenced and has this ideal team player model. But the word even going through that, that, that kind of irked me. You know, he said that the ideal team player is three things. They're humble, they're hungry, and they're smart in combination. And hungry even is one of those things that like, because of the people out there in the world who are putting all these, you know, get rich schemes and this, Mm -hmm. oh, here's what you've got to do. And that's a word they're going to use. You got to be hungry for it. You got to do this and that. And it's, yeah, hustle. That's another one. And it's like grind. Yeah. And it's like instantly when I hear that, I'm just like, okay, you're worried about you and yours and not concerned about the other things. But there's a way to speak to that that's not as negative. Mm-hmm. I've just not been in the leadership circles and the business circles. Every time I hear it, I'm like, you know, th- th- there's almost this unethical hungry even, if that yeah. makes sense. It, it's, uh, is what are you hungering for? Yeah, because if you're only concerned about getting yours and getting ahead, then you're willing to do some things that are, you know, a, a little well, sus to, to and, use the uh, <laughs> as the, the trendy said. language. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and oh boy, so <laughs> you're like, this is not where I intended this to go. No, this this is good. There's just so much there. Yeah. So in the context that that I presented it, it was very much a this is a personal growth. Not a bigger and better kind of thing, but like you, this is why you're here and you need to be okay with that or go yep. find something different to do, basically. Mm-hmm. Not in a negative sense, but it was like, hey, man, I, I see this in you. I see this opportunity and you need to kind of get your head around Rise it. up to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's different. It, and it's like, but it's going to be more work. It's not like, <laughs> you right. know, it, it's right. like, hey, this, the, you have the opportunity to do these good things. It, it was that kind of thing and yeah there there have been times i've brushed up against the kind of culture that you're talking about where bigger is better and more is better and you got to keep pushing for you know it's very it's very numbers and kind of uh it's quantitative rather than qualitative it which Mm -hmm. just makes no bloody sense to me frankly and i I don't yeah i don't mean that immodestly it's just this is actually a problem (laughs) if you want to run a company which i have before is that I, I'm sometimes I'm so focused on the doing the work well that making sure that the mechanisms that ensure that we can continue to do the work or an operation go by the wayside. And that's you know, that's a balanced thing and that's not good either. But anyway. Well the scripture tells us to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Exactly. Yeah. And we will be filled, which is pretty profound. Yeah. Um and I think that when it comes to this kind of thing, part of doing whatever you do as though you're doing it for the Lord, not for people, as the scripture mm-hmm. says also, that helps orient what your hunger is supposed to be. And yeah. we talked about last time that being oriented for cultivation rather than comfort in that you're not trying to make everybody, you're not trying to make things easy for everybody, you're not trying to make them comfortable, but you're trying to cultivate an environment in which they can be the version of themselves that God wants them to be and be loved well and that they can love well and serve well and all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that may mean that your bottom line takes a hit. That may mean that you don't buy that car that you think you're supposed to buy or or, or whatever. But just that, that, that kind of grind, that kind of orientation that you're talking about is very different than I'm going to allow myself to go through the very painful work of shaping me to be better and better in this sense is qualitative not quantitative because me being better off may mean me having less 
Mm-hmm. And better me doing my job better may mean instead of doing 10 things kind of okay, I do four things really well. Yeah. It may, and it may s- not necessarily mean that you like it more. That's right. Know? Yes, that's right. Um, like there are yeah, th- things in my quote professional life, whatever the heck that means, that I, I'm realizing like I, I actually need to say no to this. Yeah. You know, to this other thing, because I'm not going to do it well, it's going to distract me, and I'm going to be thinking about it at 10 o'clock at night. And that's not how I want to spend my time. At 10 o'clock at night, I either want to be asleep <laughs> or doing something that contributes to my own life or the lives of the people around me in a way that's that's meaningful and lasting. And, right. uh, you know, that's a leveling up for me in this way is, is having to a- ask and then answer the question, how does the Lord actually want me to spend my time and focus and mm-hmm. to be okay with what the answer is and reorient myself to it? And that's difficult when you're yep. used to doing things a particular way. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and, and it's, I mean, it's hard enough for us to stay focused in the day to day on, on Christ. I mean, even, even in everyday conversations, sometimes it's difficult, right? And, yeah. and we should, but anybody who has it, children knows that. Man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and it, it can just be tough to try and constantly have that frame of reference and, and your motive, I guess, is really what it kind of boils down to in some ways. Correct. Because it's, it's kind of the, which comes first. And I think there's people who are like, well, if I can level up in, in, in the way I was looking in life, you know, if, if I can keep getting ahead and build this success, well, think about the outcome I'm going to have for, for Christ eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> God's glory is not dictated by what you can do. Yeah. You know, it's the the opposite. It, it's accomplished in spite of you often. Mm-hmm. And so it's more, you know, for me, if I can keep pursuing Christ and keep that at the front and the forefront and my primary motive, not that that's easy either, you know, when, when in a world that competes, we've talked about that in previous episodes. But if I can do that, that's going to be the kind of success and the kind of leveling up that is is in line with Scripture, in line with what's asked of us. Yeah. And I think a lot of it, we we tend to get stuck in certain rhythms or mm-hmm. ruts would be the less charitable way to put it. But I think we get used to doing things a certain way because maybe because it made sense at one time or because it's, quote, easier in the short run. Or maybe it's just what we know and we don't want to change it. Whatever whatever the reason is, we're in those rhythms. And uh, Josh Porter that we had on a few episodes ago mm-hmm. had a really good quote in one of his teachings. He said... Um, We tend to get stuck in patterns of busyness and laziness. We can't slow down and we can't get going. thought that was a really good description of where we find ourselves a lot, where either it's just this headlong rush of the day-to-day of like we're constantly doing stuff and running place to place, and yet there's this pile of things over on the periphery that we'd like to be focusing on that we just can't ever seem to meaningfully incorporate into the way that we spend our time. And, you know, part of, I think, the call to, quote, level up in this season of my life is to figure out, well, if your life doesn't include the things that are the most important, not, not that mine doesn't necessarily, this is just what I'm pondering, uh, if your life doesn't include and isn't oriented around cultivating space for the things that bring you joy, that serve other people, what is it that you need to cut out or do differently so that you can make space for those things? Is your busyness... And your laziness, you know, like hamstringing you from spending your time the way that you should. Hmm. 
And that's, that's a big question because then when you start looking at those things, sometimes it's even good things. Yeah. A lot and of times some, it is. Yeah. Well, and even times where it's like, I mean, to be honest, there's, there's times in my life where, I mean, potentially the career that I've chosen can be, can be doing that. Hmm. And so it's, is the call to look at it differently, to not put so much, I don't know what word to use here, maybe st- I don't know if stake is the word, but so much, you know, focus on that, that I forget other things, you know, the, the old mentality of, well, you know, where, you know, well, oh, what was it? He said it Sunday, but kind of this whole work till you die mentality. And, mm-hmm. and, um, there was a better way of saying it, but, but is that what I'm doing? And are, you know, is my focus to pour into relationships and, and more of that? And cause and sometimes it seems like those are are real, really kind of competing with each other. Yeah. Um, but I do think there's been times in my life where it's okay, well, I need to just look at this and handle it a different way. And then there's times where it's like, well, you know what? I'm just in the wrong spot altogether. Hmm. And I wouldn't have known that had I not gotten here. But the analogy that kind of takes shape in my head is being stuck in like, uh, a part of a river that gets scooped out by the current and it's kind of swirling mm-hmm. and you're kind little of splashing. You, what? Kind of one of those little, little ponds off to the side kind of a yeah. thing. Is that what you're yeah. talking about? Yeah. And it kind of, it's kind of, the water's kind of going circular mm-hmm. there. There's like a, there's a current and you're stuck in that and you're, you're not drowning. Like you're treading water just fine, but you also can't go anywhere. And you're constantly jostling around trying to see if you can, find a rock to push off of that would get you out of that current. And that's, that's kind of what I've been thinking about. And I think maybe is, is relatable for our listeners that, that, that feeling like I I know there are things I want to be different. I just can't find the rock to push off of. Yeah. And and it's uncomfortable because you realize, and I, I had this thought the other day, but it's uncomfortable because you realize there's not much you can do. Hmm. but there's also this sense of peace and realizing that it's not up to you at that point. Right. I mean, and I think that's what we're missing is that yeah. we're, we're so busy looking for the rock. We ignore the rope. Yep. Yep. That's being tossed to us. And I think part of it comes down to even, you know, we've talked a little bit about submission about understanding what that is. Understanding that, you know, truly submitting to, to God and to his will is not, is not the same mindset as, you know, what, what we think sometimes where it's like, oh, if God asked me to do this, I'm going to, I'm sure. Yeah, I'll do it. No, when you submit, it's saying, Hey, I'm here. Use me, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I think that's kind of a good, the way you painted that analogy is, is a good way to think about that. Like you're there. You, it's not necessarily. Not going uh, anywhere. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, so I think but, of the but have uh, I committed. I think of Jesus and the disciples on the boat when there's a storm on the uh, Sea of Galilee, and Jesus is taking a snooze, and the disciples are like, "There's a storm, we're gonna sink!" Hey, hey, have you? Are you not aware of this? Like, what what are you doing sleeping? And he gets up and he's like, "All right, everybody, calm down. Yeah. Storm, chill." And it does. And it's the I think that's the rope analogy. You're so we're so busy looking for a way to lever ourselves out of our situation. We never even think that something outside of us might be the solution. And 
for the disciples then, it it's like, dude, why don't you get up and help bail the water out of the boat? And Jesus was like, no, that's not going to solve our problem. Yeah. Actually, what would solve our problem is to take care of this storm. But y'all are so focused on bailing water to save the ship that you didn't even think about whether or not this was on the table. And I think that's a good description of what it feels like to be in that situation, waiting for the level up to happen, trying to sort through yeah. all your thoughts and feelings and land in the right spot where God can use you and lead you and all that, but still trying to figure out, but, but do I need a bucket in my hand? Do I just need to sit? There's an awful lot of water in here. Uh, it's, it's, hard to, it's really hard to trust and be okay with that kind of tension in the moment. Yeah, it is. And especially when, you know, again, every time I hear level up, I just, I have my little cringe moment. And I think part of it's the whole up phrasing mm. that, that gets me because I think a lot of times, like we said earlier, it may not appear that way. It may, it may look like a level down. I think level complete is maybe more of what we kind of experience in those situations mm. where it's like, okay, well, we're through this, but just because we're through it doesn't mean I'm, you know, stepping this ladder of, of success. And again, it's back to how are you looking at it? Is this, am I leveling up to where God wants me to be moving toward that? Or, you know, am I leveling up in my success? And that's, that's very different, but I think you're right. I think a lot of times it's just getting through that moment and then realizing, being able to look back at it. What is this? You know, what happened? Yeah. And going back to the video game analogy, which may seem silly, but I think is instructive. I think it works. It, if you level up in a video game, there's a couple ways to do that. Either you've unlocked a door or gotten an item that you needed before, or mm-hmm. literally like I was at level 26 and now I'm at level 27. But either yeah. way, all that a level up is means you now have access to new challenges that you're more equipped to respond to. Mm-hmm. So like you now have that shield or that weapon or whatever it is that will, that if you didn't have it, you know, the, the dragon will will roast you. <laughs> Right. In the next part part of this this scenario, or um, well, now you can actually get into the castle where the princess is, or whatever. the The level up is a okay. You're now ready for the next step, and it's not like okay, now you can just coast around. It's like no, there's a there's challenges you weren't ready for that if you didn't go through this, you wouldn't either wouldn't have access to or wouldn't be equipped to to respond to. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. I mean, again, part of it's trying to get past the way I've looked at that for so long that it's like, man, I hear it and I still cringe, but it's like, no, I get it. But I, man, I just, I hear some of that language and I'm like waiting for a Grant Cardone video to pop up or something (laughs) um, or someone just screaming about, you know, all these worldly things and Hey, you want a Lamborghini, you do this, this and that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know, man, that's just the circles I'm in in many regards. And so it's easy to, hear that and kind of have this cringe moment when it's like, it doesn't have to be that way, you know? And, and you're right. It's, it's, it's all about taking what we're given and looking at it through the lens of, of scripture, through the lens of the spirit, understanding why we're there. And if you can do that and keep that as your frame of reference, it's, it's different. Obviously I'm having trouble with (laughs) with the wording, the connotation here, but, but yeah. All things may be redeemed. That's true. I mean, it, even ridiculous business phrases. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and, and how much of that's even you know taken from? Uh, oftentimes, you'll hear things that are that are used in business or in sales that it's like, 
And some of this is like you just took scripture and reworded it to make it more beneficial for what mm. you wanted to accomplish, you know, and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think and, there's. And I, go ahead. Well, I, I, I'm not saying there's not a place for that or that that can't be effective. I mean, even looking at as we talk about redeeming things, I mean, we've talked about way back in early Unbetween days, which is, is weird to say, but back at the start, we, we referenced redeeming analogies and, and how, uh, you know, you can go into cultures and, and use stories they may have or things that they may do and use that as a gateway to share the gospel mm-hmm. because it's something they can relate to. And, and so I, I'm not saying it's all bad. It's just, it can be. Some of it, I guess. I, I think you have to be careful where the weight of the influence is and mm-hmm. which way that pendulum is swinging. Because I used to hear as a teenager things like garbage in, garbage out, and you bees like who you bees with and things like that. And we were strongly discouraged as teenagers from having anything to do with people who weren't Christians other than evangelizing them. In the sense that, like, and, and it was told not in so many words and sometimes explicitly, if you are around these people, they will corrupt you. And I remember mm. thinking a few years later, like, so you're telling me the Spirit of God and the mind of Christ in me is ineffective. And all I can do if I'm around unchurched or worldly people is to succumb to that. That's, yeah. that's actually quite crappy. I mm-hmm. see, I understand why they were concerned. I see where the concern comes from. And practically, it's probably correct, but it's an indication that we need to change the way that we're thinking about this and the way that we need to approach it. Yeah, well, and it's just not even a blanket approach. I do think God equips people in different ways to be used in different situations. Yes, that's fair. Yeah, and so... Maybe you're kind of not the, the one that needs. Thing. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're not the one that needs to go hang out with this or that group of people. Right. Maybe that's not what God is calling you to. Uh, I just mean that, like, in the same way, um, are we aware of who and what is influencing who and what? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, can you port a phrase from a business book into your sermon? Yes, but you should definitely be aware of how is this going to shape the way that the people who are going to hear this think about what we're doing here. And Mm -hmm. I think at least in America that the church has been influenced, at least culturally, a lot more by our society and what it values than by the mind of Christ and the spirit of God and scripture. That is a massive generalization. Of course, there are all kinds of exceptions to that. But if you look at the Christian industry, the church business, if I can put it that way, there's an awful lot of overlap with quote secular business mm-hmm. and the part of the reason why i think this some of this language is grating on ryan's ears is he's remembering some of the folks he's been around who have said these things <laughs> yep. and, and and also been bothered by correct me if i'm wrong hearing similar things from christians in positions of leadership who then have influenced people in the pews as it were to view their christianity as transactional to view it as a means to get what they want in the end. Kind of some of what we were talking about last time. I suspect that's yeah. also part of why it bothers you. It is. It, it's a, a few things, and I'll I'll try to... It's easy for me to just get talking on some of this and, and go 12 different ways, which I've likely done twice or 
12 times in this episode already, but, <laughs> but I think, I think that's a lot of it. I even think there's people out there and, and maybe I shouldn't use names, but I'm, I'm going to, um, but that, that mean well, but in many ways have co-opted Christianity for what they're doing. And, mm-hmm. and the name that comes to mind is, is Dave Ramsey for me. Yeah. You know, he is a financial advisor. I think he has some great reasoning. I think he's a smart dude. I've gone through his financial piece university. I've, I've done the things or whatever, but I also think he has found this niche market of you know financial security for Christians who are struggling, mm-hmm. and he uses that as a megaphone, and, and that's fine. But I'm not saying that's bad. I don't think you shouldn't necessarily incorporate your faith into business. But is it that you're you're living that out, or is it just become a tool for you to sell mm-hmm. for you to be the Christian guy, right? When there's other people in finance who are believers as well, but aren't. You know, maybe touting it the same way, but I think I think he does a lot of good things. But then even you know, you mentioned our conversation last week. Sometimes things don't jive always. Yeah, and and part of this is kind of the worldly success thing. And and if someone knows Dave Ramsey, tell him to come on. Well, I'd love to talk to him and get his his opinion on some of this. But I don't know if you've ever looked up the dude's ha- house. It is incredible. Hmm. It is massive. It is huge. And, and I think, you know, he uses it in great ways, but back to our point last week, you know, there's this thing that we do sometimes where we buy the thing we want and then we justify it yeah. by saying, well, I'm going to use it in this way, whether we maybe do or not, you know, and then there's the thing of, hey, God told me to do this, so I'm doing it regardless. And th- those are very, very different, you know, mm-hmm. again, you sh- use everything you have for, for Christ. It ain't yours. You know, we're here for a short time and... And whatever we're given is to be used for the gospel, for the kingdom. But it's easy to do what you want and make it look like the thing God wants you to do, and maybe it's not as well. And and to your point, I mean, yeah, there, there's people I've been around that, you know, I won't say this name, but I know there's probably names we're thinking that are the same, where it's, you you hear the, the talk at times, and then you see something different. And so mm. there's kind of this conflicting between, I don't even know the best way to say this between what they want people to see in certain circles and then what, what's really driving them. And that can be tough when you hear some of that. I think uh, you, this goes back to our leadership conversation, which we hope to have more of in the future. Cause it's certainly there's, there's always the, the world is always ripe with opportunities to reflect on how we are led and lead each other. But when you build when you build yourself a platform like that, that you cannot help but stand on, you make yourself vulnerable. Mm-hmm. When your livelihood and your empire, for lack of a better word, in, in some cases, depends on that thing that you're preaching being true to the cross T and the dotted I, that's that's a very narrow focus and has massive blind spots with it. Because if we're not, yeah. and this is, this is hard teaching, which is what, Jesus told the disciples, but basically, if you're not willing to walk away and let it all burn, if the Lord tells you to, uh, <laughs> like that's a that's a difficult thing. And thinking also of like, let's take Dave Ramsey for example. For him to have a change of heart means that his entire livelihood and way of life and the things that are attached to his name they are all in question. And I don't think any of us, whatever the size of our, quote, empire is, I don't think any of us are comfortable with that idea. 
whether it's your theology or your vocation or 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 whatever uh if we're deriving so much of our rhythm and our life and our significance from those things i i don't know say more things right man i'm i'm thinking because I, i'm probably going to get in trouble for picking on dave ramsey anyway um but well, well, yeah, listen, trying to, I don't I don't think negatively of him. I just to your point, I think there's a it's it's well, if if I may, then, because this is something I've been thinking about lately. You might. Uh, I read I read a great phrase uh, today talking about uh, this is talking about John Piper, actually. And, mm. you know, the, a lot of folks really love him and a lot of folks really don't. And <laughs> um, they, somebody posted on Twitter, they were talking about one of the things that he'd done or said. And, you know, of course, there's a bunch of responses, some better than others. But one that I really appreciated that I think applies here, there and everywhere was that, you know, I I, I go to one of his teachings, I keep the meat and I leave the bones. Hmm. And I thought that was a lovely way to put it. So with, with folks who do have a platform or really with anybody, whether you have a relationship with them or not, there is going to be good on that plate and there's going to be stuff that you don't need to chew on or take with you. And I think in our current culture of um, outrage and dissociation, this is really important for believers in particular to internalize and model. And then if we're going to love people well, that means loving people well, which means there's yeah. going to be a lot of garbage that you got to wade through to get to the people. And that you can't dissociate every time something problematic comes up. And this even ties in with, with the, the, like the whole comfort conversation, because I think that's part of what the dissociation comes from, is we don't want to live in the tension between the space between us and those that we disagree with is really difficult. Because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's very uncomfortable. And we just as soon <laughs> not have to mess with it and yeah. build something that we're more comfortable with instead. But um, thinking about that as applied to somebody like John Piper or Dave Ramsey or Mark Driscoll or Greg Boyd or whomever, that there may be something from for you to learn from that person that you disagree with. And it may not be something they say. It may be a way that they love people. Um, oh, what was her name? Give me a second. The Year of Biblical Womanhood author. Uh, Rachel Held Evans, I think, is a good mm -hmm. example. I disagreed with most of what she had to say generally, yeah. but her she had such compassion for people that you could tell that was her motivation, even for some of the theological roads that she eventually went down. Her mm -hmm. motive was that she wanted to love people well. And that is a lesson that I can respond to. I remember an exchange between, no, it was actually, it was after she passed away, Beth Moore, who was diametrically opposed to her theologically, right. posted that she she cried like sobbing in her kitchen when she heard the news because she acknowledged that like, we are worlds apart, but you're my sister. And mm. I cannot think of the hurt you and your family are going to go through. And I know so many people look to you for encouragement and compassion, and this is just such a heavy loss. And I thought that was a really good modeling of that keep the meat, leave the bones thing. That's a good point, because, I mean, we're, we're given discernment, mm -hmm. right? We're, we're given wisdom, and, and how are we using that? Because if we think everything that has the name Christian attached to it, we should just take in, well, that's that can be problematic, right? Especially when you've got people using it for different reasons. Um but on the flip side, if we if we hear something, we're like, oh, well, that's not right. And then we just start, you know, we throw out everything or we start, you know, really just um, being 
hateful toward the person. Like that, that's not what we're supposed to do either. And I, I mean, I, I even think, you know, to the point of leadership, if I hear someone start touting how good a leader they are and why, I pretty instantly just kind of, you know what? <laughs> I'm just going to keep that at hand at, at yep. arm's length, right? Because I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that leaders, I think there's a little bit more humility in true leaders than that. But, but I, it's kind of one of these things, okay, where they, they may say something that's good. I, I think of a person that I had in my life for a while who said a few good things, more, probably more than a few. Uh, but, <laughs> but there was a lot of things too where it was just like, you know what? Hey, I'm glad they said that. Everything else that just happened in that exchange, I, I just need to get rid of. Yeah. Um, and, and, and get rid of in the fact that, you know, I'm not going to worry about it or else it's going to skew me being around that person at all are, you know, other things. So, you know, you, you mentioned discernment and wisdom a moment ago. And I think what is often not talked about is that if you have to use your discernment or wisdom, it's not because things are great and easy and clear. Mm. The, the, you know, the, the whole, um, there's a contingent out there that's basically like God spoke in the scriptures and that's it. And every answer to every question you would ever have is in here if you'll just read it. And if you don't find it, there's something wrong with you, basically. And it, it sets aside the work of the Holy Spirit. And it sets aside the fact that God gave us the mind of Christ because life is really difficult to make sense of. The I've heard it said that the New Testament is an inspired commentary on the Old Testament in which the early church and in the apostles and leaders were working out the implications of Jesus and what he said and mm-hmm. how he applied the principles of the Torah and the words of the prophets and all this. And the reason that we have these examples, because there, there are things like in Acts where they're like, should we, so all, all these Greeks are become, are starting to follow in the way. So should we have them do Jewish stuff? I don't know. This guy thinks we should. I'm not so sure. And <laughs> I don't remember what chapter this is in, but they, they basically have a conference in which they sit down. They, de- they do what we do, basically. It's like, well, it's not clear. Let's fast and pray. And this is kind of what we're thinking God is saying. Or the same thing with in some of Paul's letters. He says, you know, uh, I'm not going to issue you a command, but I think this is wise. So maybe chew yeah. on that for a while. And I think the reason, part of the reason that those things are displayed for us is the acknowledgement that like discernment and wisdom are needed because this is a pretty messed up world that we're living in. And God was gracious enough to give us access to those things because we also read from Proverbs, for example, that that's how he rules the world, that he too chooses between alternatives and that he too makes sense of things, not in the same way that we do, but but basically he doesn't just push a button and zap things the way that he wants them. He works with us and through us and around us and... Um, we have the opportunity to step into that and work in a similar way because he invites us into it. And that um, it's it, it's needed. We don't get to do this Christian thing without exercising wisdom, without using the discernment that God gives us. And kind of hooking back into the conversation about comfort in that if you dissociate from everything that causes you a problem or you think that something is going wrong when things are rough— Really, probably God is calling you to discern, or God is mm-hmm. calling you to be wise, to exercise wisdom. Yeah, well, and, and just thinking about things that are diametrically—do I, I even know what that means? <laughs> Seems like a good word to use, but that are extremely opposed to each other. Um, and this may be too bold a statement, but I, I mean, it, it's what are you pursuing? What are you looking for? And, and I don't think 
you can fully pursue comfort and fully pursue Christ. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can fully pursue status and fully pursue Christ. Now, again, two masters, and we talked about that a little bit with the mm-hmm. comfort. Yeah. Now, that said, you can fully pursue Christ and perhaps be comfortable at times. Yeah. Um, you can fully pursue Christ and, and perhaps be successful, yeah. you know, if that's where, where God wants you. But you cannot pursue that, that thing you, we may want from the worldly standpoint and fully submit to, to, to what God's asking you to do. I just I don't think that's possible. The, the, this conversation that I had that spawned the conversation that we're having now was an admonition from somebody who knows me and is like, man, not like you could be bigger and better and stuff like you, mm-hmm. you have an opportunity to, to shift up a gear and not, yeah. and, and do things that you didn't know were possible because you're so focused on this other stuff, not in a bigger and better kind of way, but that like the that you're more suited or, or de, quote, designed for, and that you could yeah. really be operating in the way that you were supposed to be if you could let go of this other stuff. Well, there, I mean, think about in Scripture, there's plenty of examples of people who were not equipped to do things. Mm-hmm. And, and and it's not even that you are equipped necessarily, right? But, <laughs> no, I don't but feel there's like people who were not, not equipped, and, and it wasn't, well, I'm not equipped, and God was just like, oh, okay, you know, it's okay, well, still, go do it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because it's not about it's not about what we're equipped for. Yeah. And so I think that's a whole other thing, too. I mean, because I think you have to be careful. Because you're right. There, there is something potentially in you that that can get through these things that you think are impossible. But it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you, right? Because yeah. what we have to be careful. We start making ourselves really great when, you know, God just happened to use us for this thing. And it happened to work out despite us knowing it could. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot. Of, and so much of it is just posture and placement, you know, like yeah. I'm. I happen to be the one who's here. If I adopt the correct posture and respond well, then the good thing might happen. Not because it's me or you or whoever else, but because, well, God seems to know things that I don't know. And he speaks to us through other people, too, who can see things that we can't see. And, you know, if if left up to me, I'd tell you that whatever it was is like, no, I don't think I can do that. But sometimes Mm -hmm. it takes God directly or through other people being like, hey, I I seem to notice, you know, and if you can accept this admonishment and this instruction and really focus in on the right things, then, you know, the the things that you hope for, that you hope to cultivate, to use that word again, are actually actually might be on the table, but you're... Mm -hmm. You're spinning your wheels and you're you're going to run yourself into the ground if you keep chasing again, not bad things, but if you don't if you don't change the way that you're thinking and yeah. what you're pursuing. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's totally a mindset thing in in many ways. Um and, and where your focus is. I think you're right. And and just to be clear, when I said that earlier, I didn't mean like you couldn't. Taylor is very accomplished and good at what he does. So I it was not a knock at that. I just think um overall I tend to force myself to, with me, err on the, I'm, I'm not uh, that great side, so I don't tend to go somewhere else. But No, no dude, um, for me, it's either one or the other. I'll, I'll either yeah. be, um, I'll either be super, not self-deprecating, I just, I, I won't think that, I'll on the one hand be, be very particular about we need to do this this way because it needs to be good, but at the same time, like by comparison to the good work of other people, I, I don't, I will f- yeah. simultaneously feel like it doesn't compare. 
<laughs> so yeah. I'm a wave blown and tossed by the wind, honestly, in this way. Uh, again, tension, right? That's yeah, what it is. It is. There's, there's it that really tension. Is. And and I think that's interesting. I, we talk about being in the middle a lot, but I, being in the middle doesn't mean you're exactly in the center, right? It just means you're mm. somewhere between this this level of like yeah. one and the other. And and if you could stay in the center, that might would even be comfortable, right? That might would be a third option. Yeah. <laughs> and what we're talking about is just this sliding scale of like, I'm trying to navigate and that doesn't always mean one thing or the other. Sometimes it means having to realize that, you know, hey, I'm, I'm erring on the, the side of I suck too much and I need to understand that God put me here for a purpose and rest assured in that. And then sometimes it's, hey, maybe you need to think that you suck a little more, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, and that you're not as great as you think you are. And that that was has been a lot of my life, you know, earlier on, especially that I've had to, you know, come to terms with. But, um, yeah, I think I think there's a certain level of humility in all of this. Mm hmm that dictates a lot of how things are heard or seen, you know, and, and the, I don't know if I said it earlier, the three, the three kind of things that um, he brought up that book for in the sermon or that guy was that ideal team player thing, the humble, hungry, and smart. It's just even thinking through those things. Like what, what does that mean? Hmm. Um, you know, God has given you certain things. There's things he allows you to grow in yourself, uh, you know, I don't think it's bad to work toward things or to try and foster things. A lot of what I say I know can be perceived as, oh, well, you just think we should just be there, think about God and do nothing else. And, and maybe, but but that's not how God designed it, right? He, he gave us a purpose and he asked us to do certain things with what we're giving. Mm-hmm. And so that means taking things he's given you and growing. I mean, think about uh, the talents, you know, the parable of the talents. It, it, yeah, we can take what God's given us and, you know, squander it or hide it or whatever, but he's asked us to invest in it, to be good stewards of it. And so that may mean taking what I know, but then even growing on that so that I can be in a position when God presents me with an opportunity to use that the best way possible. I think the key thing about that parable that doesn't get talked about is that that guy was not making more money for himself. He was making more money for his master. Mm -hmm. And 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 that's a huge point in what we're talking about. Yeah, it's it's servant servant leadership. Is I had a conversation with a guy in a coffee shop who um who wrote a book on on relational selling. He's a local guy, but he uh he he's you know really trying to focus on servant leadership and and servant based approaches to even selling because that's thrown out the window so much. Mm-hmm. And you know I come from a sales background, and it's easy to. Um, I was telling my boss this actually this week. It's easy to get in this mindset of, oh man, we've got to drive revenue. Let's start pushing this stuff and lose sight of the fact that, no, the, the reason I've even you know been able to accomplish what I have in my short career is because of listening to people mm, yeah. and hearing their challenges. Because it doesn't matter what I can do if it doesn't address a need. Yeah. And so the, the whole servant-based approach, it, it's not about you. It's about others. And And God, you know, I firmly believe God blesses those who, are seeking to put him first and to serve others. Now, that may not look like an earthly blessing by any means, and we're also not supposed to try and store that up anyway. So, um, and I say earthly blessing, a monetary, physical thing like that. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a blessing even in in seeing people come through things and being able to talk with someone who's going through a hard time. I mean, that's a blessing just to even be able to have that moment. I am blessed currently in that because of the love and input of people who are close to me 
I like over the past year and a half, two years, I now know myself better than I did then. I hmm. love myself better in that, uh, like, I'm aware of, I'm more aware of my vices and how to offset them. And when I'm falling back into patterns that are destructive to myself and the people around me. And that is a gift. Yeah. Because now I don't have to bear the weight of that by myself, but, but also my relationships don't have to bear the weight of me trying to bear the weight of that. Now that didn't, mm. I still live in the same house, <laughs> you know, right. uh, nothing changed quote unquote outwardly, but that my life is so much different now. And the things I orient, try to orient myself around are so different now internally and externally. And what a blessing that has been. Hmm. But you can't account for that on a balance sheet. No, no, you can't. And, and even, yeah, man. And then there's so much, I think we get scared sometimes to put the focus where we should, because we think God's going to call us to do something completely different. And he mm -hmm. might, but it may be that he had you where you're at for what he's about to ask you to do. It's just, you got to get your focus, right? You've mm -hmm. got to get, and I say focus, right? Not on, you know, being hungry for worldly things, but being hunger, hungry for, for Christ, for righteousness, for God, for, for, you know, the things we're supposed to hunger and thirst for. Um, and that can completely change the situation you're in, you know, more so than even going somewhere else. That is when you level up. There it is. <laughs> oh, man. We just turned it into a commercial. Coming next fall. All right. That's a wrap on episode 23. Who knew we would ever get to 23 episodes? We've got more on the way. We'd really like to get back into having conversations with other people as well. We have a few folks who are on the list to reach out to or to connect with. And if there's anything that you'd like to hear us talk about, we'd certainly like to hear from you. We're on all the socials, as the kids say. Do they say that? I don't know. We are. We're on all the socials. And you can reach out to us directly at unbetweenpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.